this going whenever you're ready. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, the Association of Common Sense Masculinity is proud to present the exciting, the thought-provoking Can-Am Soup, an entertaining, genuine, and often meandering conversation between two friends. And now, the stars of our show, Jeremy Gertz and Todd Fuss. Hey, Todd. How you doing, buddy? Good, Jeremy. Glad to be back from vacation. How you been? Good. Good, good. Yeah, I'm glad you made it back here. Is uh, I'll tell you, last week was weird on Friday not to get up and do our podcast. I was like, oh, no, we already did it. So I saved yeah. it, though. I, I didn't release it till Friday because, you know, we got to keep the schedule. But how was your trip? Oh, it was great. Much needed, much needed. You know, um, so uh, two of the wives, well, one of them is my wife's oldest friend, actually, but the other one's mm-hmm. one of the oldest friends. So. Yep. You know, husbands. Nice to visit again, hey. It is, and well, yeah, sure. <laughs> no, it, f- it's great it, it, to see people you like and you enjoy being around. Absolutely, the average human being, no, not so much. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> like during the trip, I noticed that, and we went to, uh, we spent most of our time in a blue state, so. You know, everywhere you went and you weren't wearing a mask, even though it's not required, people are like looking at you like, oh, you're not wearing a mask. And I'm like, oh, you're not either. Shut up. Yeah. But, and I actually did say that once, um, just like that, because this woman was, uh, so when her, and her husband had a, I'm sorry look on his face before she even opened her mouth. Oh, wow. So you know she's a Karen. <laughs> and yeah. uh, she just said to no one in particular, but in our direction, Oh, they're not even wearing masks. And I said, oh, you're not either, you nosy bitch. And uh, she was like, oh. and her husband's like, <laughs> leaned back so she couldn't see his face. And he's like half grand. Yeah. <laughs> it was funny. Huh. So when you were uh, hanging out with these friends, what was the food like? Was it one of these times where you get together and it's just like, oh, yeah, good, good food? Or is it like, meh? It was more conversation than okay. food yeah uh at the now and the first couple the first night we got there uh, you know thursday night we were we ate hot hamburgers mm-hmm. just a hamburger because it was late and uh he loves to grill so he takes forever to do it <laughs> you know what that's like don't you yeah no just kidding um i do but uh had the thickest hamburger I think I've ever had, yeah. and uh, but it was awesome. And then, uh, but so that was really good. And then from then on, we just either went out to eat or, like one time we ordered salad and pizza, just so we're not busy doing something we can talk because yeah. we hadn't seen them both with both of us in a long time. Yeah, uh, when they lived in Kansas, <clears throat> Danette went out to see them. Uh, I was still working, but both of us hadn't seen both of them in a very long time. Hmm. We were just catching up. Uh, it was awesome. That's good. And then the second couple, um, 
Cause we stayed one day longer at the first couple because neither Danette nor I was feeling all that great one day and uh, not sick, but not spry neither. And uh, mm-hmm. I still got that uh, inside saying, oh, I forgot to tell you before the show, I finally got a diagnosis. But mm. We'll uh, talk about that after. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> so anyway, we were supposed to spend two nights at, the second people and we only wound up showing staying one night mm. so you came home but early the food uh uh the food there was uh she was cooking when we got there and we were like looking at each other like um, <laughs> i don't know huh i don't want to i'm scared of that so we went Dang. out to eat um because they have something in that local area of st louis O'Fallon was uh, Illinois that it's called a horseshoe. It's an open face sandwich. Huh. Um, it's like bread and then a meat, French fries and then cheese sauce. Huh. Like that, that sounds pretty good. And I had a pork tenderloin sandwich, and then Danette had the pork tenderloin on the horseshoe, and uh, she said it was really good. Hmm. Uh, that I'm does like, sound good. You know, I I just that I didn't know what kind of cheese sauce they were bringing. I didn't know if it was homemade, a beer cheese. You know, I didn't know. So yeah, yeah. I'm I was afraid it was going to be like cheese whiz, you know, cheap ass <laughs> you know, cheese sauce, and it turned out it wasn't. But uh, it was pretty good. Right on. But the pork tenderloin sandwich was awesome. Pretty big too. I can only eat half the sandwich. Oh wow, that's cool. Yeah, um, the drive up was kind of weird because <clears throat> we're going to Illinois, but we drove, you know, over to Nashville, up through Kentucky to Louisville, and then up through uh, Indiana the whole way. Because even though they live in Illinois, they can see Indiana from their house. Mm-hmm. And we live in the central time zone. They live in the central time zone. But 90% of the drive, well, 70% of the drive, we're in the eastern time zone. Mm. Like, what in the world? We finally stopped for gas, you know, about an hour, 45 minutes from their house. And we get off the highway and we turn left, which would have been in the same direction as their house. We go about 300 yards and we're in the central time zone again. <laughs> so apparently we're parallel to the time zone line and only about 300 yards away from it all day. Oh, wow. Really? That's funny. <laughs> it, but then uh, drive on Sunday down. If any, if any of our listeners are in the uh, Illinois area, and you get on high, Interstate 57, north or south, the most boring highway ever. Literally nothing on it. Zero. Mm. Nothing. Cornfields on either side. Um the rare house to look at, but it's nothing to look at. Mm-hmm. But oh my God, just boring. It was a three hour drive and it seems like it was eight. Huh. And I ain't joking. That sounds like the Trans Canada Highway right past Strathmore Lake. Like if you drive from Alberta to Saskatchewan on the number one, it's just like that, man. Like literally nothing. 
it, and it's totally flat and there's no turns. Like it's, you'll, you'll go for like 20 kilometers without moving the steering wheel. It's yeah. Wow. Yeah. Drives like that are, it's always a toss up. Like, you know, you want to be able to get there. Like I, I don't like drives like, so, so we went <laughs> one time Steph and I were, oh shoot, I was doing a job in Fresno, California. And I forget where we were coming from. Albuquerque, I think. I was coming from Albuquerque and to Fresno. I don't know why. We had this triptych done up. You know, in AMA, you could get a little triptych and they'd print you these maps and it was like, uh, you know, kind of lengthwise and it was bound at the top and you could like flip it. It was basically like a GPS before the GPS, you know, it'd give you your entire route. And for some reason, it took us through Yosemite. And I'm like, what the heck? And man, some of these roads there, like you're doing 25 miles an hour, at, you know, that's the fastest you get going for a few hours. And we had an RV behind us. And some of these roads are so winding that with the, with the truck that we had and the RV that we had, I could not stay in my lane around some of these corners. Like there, it was physically impossible. Um, I don't even know why they should have like limits on your total vehicle length. But, and so man, there's times when I was like, going way into the other lane and I'm flashing people because like if I don't literally the back of my trailer is going to fall down the cliff you know because I'm doing this hairpin turn oh yeah and then you know this I found I don't know why I thought they were German tourists they just look like German tourists but some of these people were so rude and belligerent it's like dude I have no choice like I'm not I'm not in your lane for fun I'm in your lane so I don't die and I didn't choose to come here this stupid triptych from AMA put me on the road here sorry you know, we, when we went back, we didn't go that way, <laughs> but, oh, it was brutal. And, and that's the opposite thing, right? It's like, I kind of like a nice, nice mixture. Like if you got some nice winding roads, but it's still 65, 70 miles an hour speed limit, that's the way to go, you know? <laughs> and then, but you know, like, I don't know, it's crazy, but the straight stuff is pretty boring too. Hey, you can make good time. But uh, like they say in Saskatchewan, when, you, when your dog runs away, you can see him leaving for three days. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of how it is. <laughs> you watch him run away for three days. but Kind of like Kansas. Yeah, yeah. Not like that. But yeah, no, actually, they've, you know, a fun drive is driving from here into the mountains, like to Banff and stuff, Canmore, because... Well, I think they, they have a low speed limit just to protect wildlife. I don't think many people observe it because you can still do, generally you do 65 miles an hour, but it's still fun because you're literally just over and around the mountains and through, you know, oh, it's it's pretty fun driving when you go west of here, but east of where I live, man, boring. But yeah, so when did you guys get back? Monday. Monday, all right on. Yeah, I had to get back um, Monday because... I had the appointment to get new tires put on the vehicle on Tuesday. All right, on. Cool beans. So, what do you, do you just run all seasons all year round? Like just a general purpose tire? On you the don't... Sequoia, yes. Whatever came on it, OEM. That's what I'm keeping on it. Yeah, because it has cool. that odd uh, suspension on it. It's partially uh, the Oil over magnetic and then partially airbag. Oh, really? Okay. And so whatever they Toyota, dis, you know, engineer said need to go on it, that's what I'm going to keep on it. Yep. On my Tacoma, on the other hand, right after the OEM tires got to where they needed to be changed, I put uh, BF Goodrich 
uh, all-terrain tires on it. Yep. And that truck with those tires, I can go anywhere, literally. That's nice, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Probably not sand dunes, but I don't have any. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but snow, ice, gravel, regular dirt, mud, you know, whatever. Yeah. It, it's just a perfect combination. Yeah. And that's the truck, you know, I said I I had to clear the way for a snow plow. So, you know, just saying. Yeah. So do you, you guys get snow there very much? No, this was in the, yeah, the big Maryland. blizzard of 20-whatever over in Maryland. <clears throat> Snowmageddon. Yeah. Because I had to drive from Maryland to Alabama, Montgomery, Alabama, and uh, in the blizzard. So, hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. No, the reason I was asking, because this is a time of year where, uh, well, I've started to think about putting winter tires back on all of our vehicles. <laughs> it's such yeah, a pain, man. Know, six <laughs> weeks of summer's over, right? Yeah. We're having a really good fall, actually. Like, I went out for a bicycle ride yesterday, and it was, like, super windy. But it's 24 degrees outside. And usually we get snow sometime in September. And it's been it's been an amazing fall. Like just oh great. Beautiful. Like like I said before, and I think our last podcast, you know, the leaves have turned slowly and so we actually there's still a bunch of trees with leaves on them, and that's a pretty rare occasion. We're looking back a few years, I think five, six years ago is my sister in law's wedding and I I did all the photography for her. And it was was it their anniversary it was three weeks ago. Anyways, their driveway is really, really long driveway with poplars on both sides. Beautiful. And there was everything was like the leaves were perfectly yellow. And these photographs I got were unreal. Like these are, you know, these would get me jobs just with this one picture, right? Because it was just so gorgeous. And it's mostly just the trees. And the next day there's a big wind came up. And I ended up finishing all their all their photos and I made a wedding video for them. And I I brought it back. It wasn't the next day. It was the day after, uh, I think that Monday. And there was no leaves on any of the trees. Like, just gone. I was like, wow, we sure had this. <laughs> we sure had the weekend, uh, the wedding on the right weekend. Because, you know, two days later, everything was just sticks. But, um, yeah, it was crazy. And that was like a couple weeks ago. And so normally, man, it does not look like it does right now. So I'm, I'm loving this fall. It's been great. Good times. Yeah, we lost the... Uh leaves on the ornamental cherry trees, but the normal trees haven't even changed color yet. Oh, wow. One of them's getting kind of rusty up top, but I think that's dying, not changing. Yeah, color. yeah. Yeah. No, we're having some, like, yeah, yesterday was, like, windy all day long. I got up in the morning, and I was like, so I'm trying to exercise every day, and uh, I've been doing, like, some weight training, and then it's like, you know, I really want to go for a bicycle ride. I've ridden my bicycle for a while. And, uh, so that was, a, it was going to be, and I got to work, did a bunch of stuff and I was waiting for the wind to stop. And I was like, it's not, it's not going away anytime soon. And then also what I did yesterday is I've, I've had this loop that I've wanted to do and I've kind of started on it before, but the thing that stopped me is this one house has this massive dog in it, like big dog. And one time it started barking at me, but it didn't move. Like it literally was just on the porch barking at me. And I'm like, oh, this thing. And I had all the kids with me, and Foster's slow, and I thought, if this dog chases us, this is this is not what I need. So we turned around and just went back, and uh, I haven't tried it, and that was, that was probably like in February, and so I went yesterday and did. I thought, you know what? I don't care what this dog does. I'm just going to ride. And uh, it just stood on the porch and looked at me. So I'm like, sweet. So I got this really nice loop I can do. 
And uh, dogs are my number one fear on a bike. Like I carry bear spray with me and then like a stick or a baton so that I can, <laughs> I've been chased by dogs, man. Oh, it, it sucks. It sucks. I've never been like attacked, attacked, but I've had dogs like nipping at my heels and stuff, big dogs. And you kick them and they usually like kind of smarten up if you get them right in the nose. But, oh, I hate that. Hate that. Yeah, I haven't been attacked by dogs since I was uh, a lot younger. Uh, I think I was a tweener, so about thirteen, and I was attacked by a German Shepherd. Oh wow! On purpose, the guy sicked him on me, and uh, <laughs> what? I was so lucky. I, uh, I I didn't know anything about attack attack dogs or how to defend yourself, or you know, I was thirteen, mm-hmm. and I just grabbed the dog's mouth in my hand. My fingers made it into his mouth, and I was able to grab his mandible. And What's a mandible? It's a... His bottom jaw. Okay. You know, and I just, I grabbed it, and there's a nerve group in there. Didn't know anything about this then. And my fingers just hit it right, and the dog's starting to yelp and changes <laughs> yeah. his mind real quick, and I'm not letting go, and I'm trying yeah. to squeeze as hard as I can. And you got, got the adrenaline going, all that stuff. Yeah. And I was... I was just so lucky. Wow. I bet that guy was like, oh, bro, regret sicking him on you. Why did he do that? He was that kind of guy. He, that's what he did, you know. Wow. Um, he would uh, chase down wild animals, catch them, and then throw them on people, get them all riled up, and then throw them on people. Oh, wow. You know, he was a jerk. Yeah. Uh not long after that, about a year after, and he must have been, you know, 18, uh, had been held back and kicked out so many times. The school system just said, yeah, you're not welcome here. And, uh, but he uh, was trying to break into a the local convenience store. And, uh, you know, the, the old, you know, metal frame door, metal bar in the middle on both sides, and glass, right? Mm-hmm. And he decides he's going to run through the door, right? Because he kept trying to kick on it, hit it with it, something. Anyway, he finally breaks it, but it breaks on the top, so he climbs over it. Yeah. The little barn gets in the store, starts sailing stuff, but, you know, silent alarms and all that, and then the cops show up. And he goes to run out the door, and he forgets, apparently, that it was the top that broke and not the bottom. <laughs> and he hits it, and his head keeps going, and he hits the jagged glass on his neck. Oh, wow. And uh, really, really hurt himself, lost a lot of blood. But um, he wound up dying in prison of something. Huh. Not sure what, but uh, I really hope, based on how he lived his younger life, that it was... You know, being suffocated face down in a pillow by the one hundredth guy. Just saying. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. crazy. Yeah. yeah, some people are messed up. He was he was one of those guys that you just make stories up about, but he was real. Um, mm. Would tie cats' legs or tails together and throw them over the clothesline. Oh wow! Bury them up to their heads and then run them over with lawnmowers. And oh, I know wow. he did it because. He'd make you watch, or he'd beat you up. So yeah, he's seriously mentally disturbed. Oh yeah. Wow. Hmm. 
Well, and his I guess. parents were affluent, so that's weird, hey? Yeah. Huh. They weren't good. until he broke into that store. They weren't doing anything about him. The local yeah. authorities, that is. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of uh, jerks, I guess. Well, I don't know. I guess there's a a fight in the Walmart parking lot yesterday in Strathmore. It's it like a daily um, Walmart thing. <laughs> <laughs> they just pick a store at random at headquarters and go, yeah, we need a fight at yeah. the Strathmore store today. We should start a blog and every reporting <laughs> and just get the details and just check it out. Um, and anyways, apparently, like, I, th- I think it was like three vehicles end up getting bodywork damaged <laughs> during this fight. So I don't know if they're like rolling shopping carts or hitting, but like, wow. And it's, it's funny because... Strathmore is a pretty chill, like Strathmore doesn't have any like bad neighborhoods. I mean, they've got like some trailer parks, mobile home parks, but those aren't dangerous, right? Like, um, there's no bad parts of Strathmore, but <laughs> there's a fight of Walmart. It's like, it's so weird. I think everybody. It's close enough to Calgary that, you know, they can uh, send out for, you know, crime if they want to. Yeah, I don't know if it, nah, I don't, I don't know what. I I think you know what it is. Everybody is so so on edge around here lately. Like it's insane. Well, the, Just, there's a 38 percent spike in uh, violent crime and homicide in the United States in 2021, and we're like, well, duh. There was yeah. in 2020 as well, but I think it was closer to 20 percent. It you got everybody stuck at home, mm-hmm. and the first thing. It's going to go up is alcoholism. Second thing is going to be domestic abuse. And then mm-hmm. it turns into violent crime. And then everybody's been, you know, stuck in one house. Oh, now you can go visit a few friends. Mm-hmm. Only get it together in small group. But you haven't seen each other in so long. You know, now it's everybody's on edge. And then you get together. And what wouldn't bother you in 2019 is going to, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Crank your handle in 2021, and you're going to beat up your friend and whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's <laughs> it's all pent up, right? Everything's been bottled, and, and the uncertainty and the frustration. and Pregnancy's going to go up. <clears throat> Alcoholism's going up. Violence will go up. You should have known all this when you decided to lock everybody down because the same experts that said, oh, lock everybody down, deal with those stats too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So instead yeah, of, you know, pushing the mask and the vaccine, you should have been pushing Valium. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah. yeah. It's it funny because we had, uh, I had to go to this cadet meeting this weekend. Uh, the, the DND, so Canadian Department of National Defense, they're revamping the program. And so they had to go to this thing. And it's like basically this whole mental health check thing, just a bunch of BS. And, um, you know, they go through these slides and what about this and what about that and what about this? And and then it's like, and so, and they said, you know, we really need to look after each other because COVID will take whatever it can. If we, you know, we have no control over this. And and I was like, wait a minute. And so it was interesting because the officer at the squadron, she is way, sees things way more similarly than I do, right? But the government is a bunch of woo-woos and... um but she has to present this, right? And uh, and I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. I said, COVID doesn't take a damn thing. I said, the government takes things. And she's like, oh, yeah. I said, no. I said, 
And she goes, so what do you guys think about this? I said, that's all a bunch of propaganda from our government. And she goes, she looked at me like, I agree with you, but I'm not allowed to say because, and uh, yeah, it's like COVID will take whatever. I'm like, no, COVID doesn't take anything. Okay. The government takes stuff away. COVID is a flu virus. Like, let's just get that on the table here. And, and COVID been... is not a coyote and we are not a chicken coop. Yeah, I know. But it's like the reaction, you know, three years ago, in the city of Calgary alone, 10,000 people died from the flu in one flu season. 10,000 people. That's more than COVID's done by a long shot. But we didn't have any lockdowns. We didn't have any of this crazy stuff going on. You know, we didn't have now different class citizens because you've been jabbed and you haven't been jabbed. Like, it's just, it's unreal. My stance, my official stance, I'm done. Like, I, I'm not wearing mask anymore. I'm not social. I'm not doing any of this stuff. Like, nope. Sorry, you guys have had your chance. Like, you know, two weeks to flatten the curve, blah, 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 the new normal, and blah, blah, blah. Don't shut up. It just came out that uh, the Minister of Health for Alberta was falsifying uh, the actual number of patients in Alberta and the actual uh, capacities that hospitals were at. Well, no shit. That's what they've been doing the whole time. Oh, we're actually not like at a critical capacity right now. We do have beds available. No kidding. Like I had people, I've known people who took their kid in to get stitches because they cut themselves and the hospitals were empty, but the news are saying, oh, they're at maximum capacity. It's like, oh, come on. I'm not drinking this anymore, guys. And I'm not living any part of my life whatsoever that even gets me close to the Kool-Aid anymore. Done. Yeah, no, no masks, nothing. I'll add, playing this retard. I'll add this and then we, we need to move on today. But yeah. um, the, uh, our local hospitals, well, Tennessee is number two right now in new COVID cases. Because, again, like I said last week, there's some hillbillies in this state. But, uh, and they would, whatever the pandemic was, doesn't matter. <clears throat> they're hillbillies and they're going to do whatever you tell them not to do, they're going to go do. Yeah, because they are literally Bart with the cookie jar when <laughs> Lisa electrified it. Outs, outs, out. Yeah. You know, but um, our hospitals were closed for anything having to do non-emergency kind of thing because they were just jam-packed, and uh, then some of the nurses were on strike, and you know, because you know mm-hmm. the best thing to do during what you call a pandemic is to cut nurse pay. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. always works. You know. Or fire them. There's a bunch. Isn't there one state that they fired a whole bunch of nurses? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, SMRT, well, smart. Yeah, really smart. But, yeah. uh, oh my. Um, here's a question. Mm-hmm. Um, you had, you and, uh, your family have, have a long, uh, history of raising animals, right? Uh, yeah. A couple and, of years. Well, a friend of mine is, Looking at getting a, a slew of chickens, and mm-hmm. then uh, possibly more an- goats, uh, maybe a llama, but you got to get those in pairs for mm-hmm. the animal sake. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, kind of like a peacock, you can't get just a male peacock. Mm. If you do, you will not get a second's rest. Mm. One, they're mean, <laughs> and two, they're noisy. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you got to get them in pairs. Anyway, um, chickens. Mm-hmm. Everybody's like, um, "Oh my God, chickens are so awesome to have!" You know, they're going to be 
you know, this many layers and this many meat chickens, right? Mm -hmm. And then the place where we get the chicks from, uh, say for 50 bucks, the, you know, I mean, we're going to buy, we're going to buy a hundred of them. But when the meat side is done, when they're old enough, we take it back. And for 50 bucks, they, the processor just, you know, butchers them all. Okay. Whatever. Um, and, every, and they're like, oh, my God, it's so easy. Chickens are no work at all. And I'm like, have you ever been around chickens? Because yeah. I personally have not raised any that I can call my own. I've helped somebody do it on their property. And it's an everyday uh, job. Mm -hmm. Now, it might take you two minutes one day yeah, or five minutes one day. And one day it might take you three hours of just disgusting work. But mm -hmm. you never know. Mm-hmm. And then you might go out there one day, and they're, they've all been slaughtered because you forgot to lock the door. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I like I like having chickens, and I, I, I do agree with the general notion that they're an easy animal to keep once you've got a good setup. And yeah, and that's what I was telling them. You've got to design your um, the coop and the run <clears throat> and the uh, roosting nest where it's easy to maintain mm -hmm. if you design it right in the right and with the right clean out everything's awesome mm -hmm. you know and it could be simple like so ours the very first thing we built on our property was our chicken coop and i did it well <laughs> like it is very well made uh in our county anything under 100 square feet you don't need a permit for so we did uh Eight feet. It's 99 and a half squares. The 96. So it was eight, <laughs> eight foot by 12 foot, right? Does that equal 96? Yeah. Yeah. So 96 square feet. And obviously that worked really easy with standard sheets of plywood, standard board. But what I did is I took four by fours and I built this thing up so that it's about a foot and a half off the ground. And I went down six feet and cemented these piles in with these four by fours coming up. I think there's eight of them on, on this thing. And on the bottom side, I did expanded metal, like heavy expanded metal, that heavy mesh stuff. Put that down. And uh, and then, well, I, sorry, I put like poly down, all this stuff, then plywood, and then that over top of it, and then insulated the floor. And I did that so that uh, apparently foxes will kind of, they can try and come up through the bottom. They'll chew away at the wood but nothing's getting through this. And then all the mesh that we did on the sides, I buried that a foot and a half into the ground and then filled it back in. And we've got netting on top. We never had netting on top at first, but there would be hawks hanging out there. None of them kill the bird, or kill the chicken, but their hawks would land and just sit on the fence. And so our fence around our chicken run, which obviously goes right up to the chicken coops, totally sealed. <clears throat> but I think that that's an eight foot high fence all the way around it. And we used to have hawks that would just sit there and just watch the chickens for hours. And then I'd go and scare them away. But I thought, you know what? I'm just going to put some netting on there. But a lot of work building that building, right? Like it's insulated. We've got doors. Uh, for the clean out portion of it, we did, we just went to some discount flooring place and got whatever thick vinyl that was cheap and put that. And we kind of curved it up on the walls and then caulked the seams in the corners. So you literally could go in there and spray the whole thing out if you wanted to. But... You know, we clean it out, uh, I think, twice a year. We only have, like, ten birds, though. Well, seven now because our neighbor's cats killed three of them. But, um, 
you know, 10 birds. We, we cleaned it up twice a year, put down a whole bunch of wood chips or straw. Actually, we find straw actually works better. Uh, we couldn't find wood chips because the old pandemic, I mean, like literally everything's sold out. And so we ended up just buying some straw from a guy, really nice dry straw. Put that in there. That works really good. And then because the wood chips, you know, once they got so much chicken crap all over them, the, uh, uh, they kind of get stuck together and it gets clumpy. And it, you go in there with a grain shovel and you just shovel it out. But the straw works really good. One tip, though, when you're in a chicken coop, if you ever drop your gum, just leave it. I thought I found mine three times. Da da da. Oh, I meant to do the laugh. <laughs> yeah, no, chickens are easy. They're definitely very easy. And we don't, we've had meat birds. Generally, if you're going to, you know, you either get a bird for eggs or for meat. And we did all the butchering ourselves. Butchering chickens is really, really easy. And then uh, for anybody at home listening, just look up whiz bang chicken plucker. Uh, that's the best way to, to pluck chickens. <laughs> it's like this drum and, and it's got a plate on the bottom of it and they're separate. But they all have these, they look like rubber fingers. Like literally it's as big as your fingers are. And they're sticking out on the inside of the drum, pointing to the inside. And then the bottom plate has a whole bunch of them sticking up. And so you cut the chicken's head off. You dip it in the hot water for X number. You can kind of figure it out. I think we have this uh, a turkey fryer that was filled with water. And, you know, so you got really hot water. I think like 180 degrees or something like that for just a certain amount of minutes. And you can tell once you do it a bit, you get used to it and the feathers come out. You take that. You throw this bird into the whiz-bang chicken plucker. <laughs> you fire it up. And this bird just flops around. Like I got videos of it. I always wanted to put on YouTube, but I didn't think they would leave it up there. But uh, 30 seconds, you take a garden hose and you spray water as this is going. So all the feathers are just being flushed. And boom, you pull it out. You've got a pluck. You may have a couple pin pin feathers here and there, but so easy to butcher. Like we do, I think we could do like 30 birds in like two or three hours. But eggs, man, we got, here's the thing too, is that there's different chickens are different, right? Like Steph used to play a lot with different species and different, you know, like some of them were really exotic looking. We had like silkies, which are weird little birds. Um, And different breeds are good for different climates. We finally ended up getting some from a, a gentleman. This was like a real hillbilly ranch, like just outside of Strathmore. But these are literally the best chickens we've ever had. Some chickens are kind of meanish or they're all scared. Like some of them aren't healthy. Like we'll have chickens and you go out there. It's like, oh, there's a just a dead chicken. Once a week, there'd be a chicken dead. And we've had as many as 40 chickens. Our, our coop is big enough for it. But the chickens we have now are so nice, like their temperament um, they're healthy. They look good and they always look good. They're like, I don't know what it is about them, but we've definitely bought chickens from people and they've been like, oh, these are bad chickens. And, uh, it, there's a difference. So if you end up getting some chickens and you're not really amazed with them, they're not producing or I don't know, not all the chickens are the same. And I don't know how, you know, to tell the difference between a good chicken producer to get, to get them from and, and who's not, but. Yeah, I like the chickens we have now. I'm kind of ticked off that our neighbor's cats killed some of them, but whatevs. Yeah, the folks I helped a uh, long time ago with their chickens, their their dog wound up uh, killing all the chickens. And oh, wow. I believe because the dog would go out there and watch them because they were new to the chicken thing and you know they spent way more time with the chickens than the dog. Yeah. I think the dog just said, 
I got this. Hmm. You like them chickens more than me, huh? Hmm. Yeah, I'm not getting replaced today. That's crazy. Yeah, and then, um, like, we'll free range our chickens, well, before these stupid cats would get them. And it's nice, like, we just open the thing in the morning and then let them out, and then at night they go in on their own. In the beginning, we have to kind of herd them back in, like, literally herd chickens. Um, and they're really dumb. Like, the door yeah, to go it's outside. Better than trying to herd cats. Yeah. Like, the door to go in is on one side of the chicken run, and there'll be a chicken on the other side, and it's all mesh, right? It's not chicken wire. We've got a little heavier duty than that, but we're trying to get this chicken to run just around the chicken run, but it sees all the other chickens on the other side, and it wants to go through the fence. So it's like it'll take a step and stick his head through the fence and try and get through it. Take another step, try and get Like, they're kind of stupid. They're, they're really stupid birds. They don't understand that they can't go through fences, so sometimes you got to just pick them up and be like, listen up here, you moron. There you go. But, yeah, chickens are good. We got, I don't know, man. We literally probably have 10 or 12, no, I would say 20 to 30 dozen eggs just sitting in our basement right now. And the one thing a lot of people don't know is that the eggs keep, as long as you don't wash them off, they keep way longer than store-bought eggs and you don't have to refrigerate them. It's unreal. Like, you can keep them for months. There's people that actually coat them in, what do you use, olive oil? I think that goes around. You can coat them in a certain oil and you can they'll last for like six months. It's insane. So yeah, anytime we find a recipe that's egg heavy, it's like, oh, let's try that because we got some eggs to burn through. Oh, I, I got to sneeze. I got to mute my mic. Okay. Mm, that's like the most nerve-wracking thing to do in public these days, hey? <laughs> you sneeze and everybody's like. <gasps> I've never been a big sneezer until we moved here. Oh, really? Since we live in the middle of gravel country, it's dusty. Yeah. And about once a day, I had the most violent sneeze, double sneeze <laughs> ever. And yeah. uh, Do you like sneezing? I it love depends. Um, I love sneezing. Two times in my life that my back has gone out, like hurt myself. Um, I herniated one of my discs sneezing twice. <laughs> Um, so, <laughs> See, maybe oh, I don't just it. go, Hachu, you, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like a full body convulsion. Yes. That's funny. Yeah. The I love neighbors call 911. Yeah. I love, uh, I love sneezing and I hate it when you got a sneeze coming like, <gasps> and then all of a sudden it goes away. I feel oh, like no, I've been I hate ripped that. off. That's just the worst. Yeah. It's um, a rip off. It's like uh, stopping at your most favorite pizza joint, walking in, and they're like, oh, we're out of pizza. Yeah, yeah no kidding. I'm going to burn that, your store down. That actually happened to it? us. That actually happened to us last Saturday. We went to the Italian shop or the Italian store, and we're trying to get some food. Oh, no, they're, they make what they need, and then we're, we're there late, too. It was like one thirty in the afternoon. It's like, of course, they're not going to have anything left. It happened Another. to me Tuesday on the way, because I, I left early so I could go by. Bojangles and get a breakfast biscuit, and uh, it's so weird. It's like uh, I was psychic for a minute because the only thing I get at Bojangles is a steak biscuit. That's it. It's all I've gotten for three years, four years. Mm-hmm. Pull up to the drive-through. He's like, "Hi, my name is whatever. Can I help you?" I said, "Yeah, can I get a sausage biscuit?" 
And she rang it up. I'm like, oh, my God, oh, my God. Hold on, ma'am. I am so sorry. I meant to say steak biscuit. She's like, we're out of steak until next Thursday. Mm. I'm like, oh, sausage will be fine. Yeah. And then I was like, dang, I've never asked for a sausage biscuit. And then the one day it just pops out of my mouth. It's the only thing I can have. Huh. Anyway. That's funny. Bojangles. I've never heard of that restaurant before. Yeah, it's a southern Bible Belt kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, chicken and biscuits, breakfast biscuits all day. Uh, their ham biscuit, country ham, and their steak are awesome. But hmm. Is it yeah. like a chicken fried steak biscuit? Ooh. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. See, we don't get, we can't find that kind of stuff up here at all. And you know what I really wish we had more of? Uh, you know, like the Waffle House. I love the Waffle House. And you just get like grits yeah. for breakfast. You, nobody has grits here. Nobody knows what grits are. It's so funny, too, because you grow a lot of corn. Yeah. I know. And it, oh, man. Like, oh, you go to the Waffle House and you get biscuits and gr- or grits and biscuits, you know, with that sausage gravy. Oh, my goodness. That's a good breakfast right there. Man, I like that stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. We went to uh, breakfast up there, and the first couple we met, uh, the anyway, um, went to a local breakfast diner kind of thing mm-hmm. and had had uh, chicken fried steak. It came with the gravy, the white gravy, which I can have either one. Mm-hmm. But some restaurants don't know how to do white gravy, so you order brown. Anyway, this was really good, white gravy, on top of hash browns with uh, three eggs over easy. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was awesome. It was so good. Oh, Uh, man. Their bacon sucked. It was horrible. Hmm. It was, I call it faking. I mean, it's real bacon, but the flavor was fake. Yeah. Um, it was just that liquid hickory, gross stuff. It was mm-hmm. nasty. Oh, you got all your flavor from a brine, and it sucks. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Uh, but, and I love bacon, and I I couldn't eat it. Oh wow, it's horrible. And uh, it's worse than Hormel. So oh wow, just throwing <laughs> it out bad. there, people. Yeah. And we used to eat the as a. Last resort, the black label Hormel, which is the closest thing to real bacon Hormel makes. And uh, then they ruined it because now around here, all you can get black label is uh, microwave bacon. Hmm. And I'm a big fan of right brand bacon for store-bought bacon, but uh, it's really expensive. Mm. You ever make your own bacon? Since I'm not poor, I can afford it. Yeah, for the. I'm good not bacon. rich either, people. Come on, but you got to have bacon money. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and if I was a drinker, I would quit drinking to have bacon money. Yeah, I'm just saying. I didn't yeah. have kids just so I could afford bacon. <laughs> that's right. There you go. That's funny. Yeah, you know, you just when you say that, it's like, uh, oh man. That's why I was jealous of you earlier, uh, probably last winter. Uh, when you did the run uh, to pick up the meat, and then oh yeah, because you could get real bacon. And I'm mm-hmm. like, oh man, and a whole trailer, <laughs> like literally 
Livery, uh, I had a few thousand pounds of bacon. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, See, we can have grits, but we can't have that. So, I mean, yeah, yeah. it doesn't make sense. Yeah, I'll take the bacon. Have you ever tried bi- making your own bacon? No. It's easy. When I get a smoker, I will. Yeah. Because I will have um, smoked and cured bacon. Mm-hmm. Actually, cured and smoked. Yeah, that's what we did. Uh, I forget how long we left in the brine. Quite a long time. You just buy a nice pork belly. Here, the only place to find a pork belly is like an Asian market. And then, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know the times or whatever, but did that. And then we even at the time we just had this little tiny electric smoker, um, basically like a little tin box with the oh, heating yeah. element. Yeah. And our first bacon we did in there, and it turned out unbelievable. Like just. It's all it's it gets closer to like an actual meat like steak, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's it's got grain to it and it's thick and like you can literally pick up a piece of bacon, swing it around like raw, and it doesn't like just fall apart. Some of this store bought bacon is so tender or so delicate, like you just pick it up and it's like oh be careful with it. And it I don't know, I love bacon too, but a lot of bacon you buy it's just is this meat or is this flavor? Like you just don't know, but. Yeah, homemade homemade bacon is real good. Yeah, I I've had it before, but I've never made it. Mm. Uh, um, we went to a Amish restaurant, and all they did was breakfast and dinner, right? Mm-hmm. And for the breakfast, everything you eat, they've produced from earth to table. Yeah, including the animals. So. Mm-hmm. Um, and their bacon was just. Mm, that'd be good. Awesome. Hmm. It was like eating what we call in the South fat back. I mean, it was meaty, chewy. It had, you know, it was al dente bacon. You could feel it in your mouth, not yeah. just it crunches and disappears. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. Oh, yes. <laughs> Getting ourselves all worked up over bacon. You know, I, I worked with a guy, uh, real cool dude. I liked him. He's from, uh, he's from the Czech Republic. Anyways, he says the way that they do bacon in a lot of that part of Europe is that, so we'll have the pork belly, and then we smoke it, and then we slice it and cook it. They'll take it, same process, but they'll actually score it deeply, right? So it's cubed, and essentially the the, the fat on the bottom uh, they don't cut through that, and then they usually will either put it in the oven or the favorite way is they take that whole thing, uncooked bacon, kind of scored so it's like a cube. Picture a jello cube that's like four inches by four inches by an inch thick, right? Put it on a stick and stick it over a campfire, and then it blooms like a blooming onion. And he said it is the best way to eat bacon. Then you just reach in and grab like a cube. You know, you cut into like half-inch cubes. Oh, man, I want to do that. Could you imagine out camping or out hunting? You got this chunk of bacon, you put it on a stick, and then it, oh, my goodness. And he said, like, all the all the heavy fat just falls off, but it, oh, man, that'd be so good. Flame, flame-kissed flame bacon like that, man, that'd be nice. I'd like to try that. But he said that's very popular in Europe. That's how, like, I mean, I think to have a traditional, like, normal bacon, what we consider normal, but never heard of that doing that before. I haven't either. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, whatever. Try, it sounds really, really good. It does sound good. And... The thing about bacon in Europe is they don't have a standard. You know, you go to come to America, American bacon, right? Yeah. You th- and in America, we think of Canadian bacon as 
you know, ham. <laughs> that pisses but, me you know, off. Like, why, it, it is. It, why did we get McDonald's that? McDonald's ruined Canadian <laughs> bacon, but, um, <laughs> like, but in Europe, even in the same country, like England, there's, you know, 10 different kinds of bacon. You're like, oh, this makes my head hurt. Yeah. But, <laughs> Canadian bacon. <laughs> <laughs> it's called ham, you, you morons. Yeah, yeah, you mean, somebody said, I remember... I was uh, probably 28, 29, just got married to Danette, and uh, somebody was talking about Canadian bacon. And I said, you mean ham? Yeah. They got so mad. <laughs> Why do we get that? You call it Ukrainian bacon. Pick any other people group. <laughs> German bacon. Yeah. I, I just call it Canadian McBacon because, you know, it's just McDonald's. But yeah. It's where, they, where you get that. But anywho. It's funny. Because when I the only time I've been to Canada and saw bacon, it was bacon. You know. So. Yeah, we don't. Yeah, we don't have the term Canadian bacon. Like I'll be listening to podcasts and Canadian bacon. I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. You mean he means ham? He's talking about ham. <laughs> and the like, kids will be watching TV show like cooking TV shows, and it's like Canadian bacon. I'm like, what's that? I'm like, it's called ham. <laughs> Not sure why they they think it's Canadian bacon. It's, it's just ham. <laughs> Don't, don't worry, Americans are special sometimes. <laughs> hey, it's not our bacon. <laughs> we didn't. We didn't create it. That's funny. I wonder where it's probably. Uh, you know, a lot of Europeans and like that. That's where a lot of the meat curing and stuff came from. I wonder where ham actually came from. Germany from Hamburg, obviously. Well, that's where hamburgers came from. But yeah, <clears throat> no, they didn't, people. Where was it again? From Hamburg, that who was not in Hamburg, uh, allegedly created the hamburger and just called it that. But in Hamburg, they don't call what became the hamburger a hamburger. They call it something else. A beef sandwich. (laughs) So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. The more you know. That's right. You know, we haven't talked about uh, shops. We should do a... The less you know. Yeah, the less you know, the better. No, no. The less you know and just find things that people believe that aren't true and that just shows you how stupid people really are. Like Canadian bacon. You know, we've yeah. already done our first segment. There we go. There's no such thing. Yeah. Yeah. Any uh, any progress on your shop? You getting anything... Uh... Doing anything, setting thing up there, waiting for... Waiting on the prices, man. Yeah. That's all I'm doing. Yeah. Waiting on the prices. Is wood still high there? Yes. It has yeah. not relaxed to the market yet. No. No, I know. Tennessee my... is stupid. I don't know well, if it's no, just Tennessee it's or anywhere. It's not stupid. They're greedy. It, they're, they are greedy. You know what drives me nuts? So my parents bought a uh, little plot in Strathmore, and they're moving. They're moving off their farm, which is kind of sucks. But... um. My mom insists. She's like, "Oh, what prices they were have come the down?" Caribbean. Yeah, I don't know if they're going to do that for sure. I don't know. I I I think they have time because they have a deposit on place there in the Bahamas. Um, but they bought all a lot in Strathmore, and so they're going to build the Strathmore one. If they do a Bahama place, either way, what it was, my dad was just going to set up like a foundation, and this the or this foundation would own his house. And so as a Canadian, he wouldn't own any property, right? So he would, like, give up residency. And then um, 
but you can still spend time here, right? Um, so I'm not sure if that's the plan, but uh, I don't know. Like, like my mom's got some some health issues, um, and so and they have like well, it's a half section of land there, and you know they've got a l- large lawn. There's trees, irrigation. It's a lot of work to maintain. Their their place is like a park. Like it's absolutely pristine. It's gorgeous. But they're just like, you know what, what, why are we doing all this now, right? So they're just, they want to downsize, you know, just want to, they're going to do one of these uh, lawns that are uh, no grass, right? Like in the yard, like just get some landscape companies do rocks and all this stuff. Uh, No maintenance so they can just, you know, if they want to go leave, they can just leave. And, um, but anyways, where was I going with this? Oh, yes. So my mom was talking about wood and like oh yeah we're gonna build a house because wood prices have come down i'm like they haven't come down yet and she said this to me like four months ago it was like well wood prices have come down and then i was like oh have they that's good and it was about a week later i went and bought some boards and i'm looking at wood prices and i'm like nope they haven't and go over there for like mom no wood prices are the same they have not come down at all oh really oh no and See, then the i talked to her is, and this is a, a global statement not specific to any region um Last quarter, future prices came down, and now we're in that quarter. So everyone who, all these companies, these manufacturers of lumber, who bought the trees to make the lumber are now at normal prices. So everything that's Mm -hmm. in the store, they bought at normal prices, but they're still selling it at COVID prices. Mm. And it irritates me. Mm. But yeah, I know. And she's like, oh, no, building a house. Is, I said, are you going to wait till prices come down before you like buy your lumber package? Oh, no, prices are down. I'm like, no, they're not, mom. Like, go in there right now. And you want the boards that I buy. I'm paying three times more than I did pre-COVID. They have not come down yet. Oh, no, they've come. My friend told me they came down. It's like, does your friend frame houses? Does your frame friend actually do it? Or does she just like golf or something? Oh, okay. Maybe she doesn't know. <laughs> Drives me nuts. Is the... The sheathing I want for the interior of the shop is over a hundred dollars a sheet right now. I'm like, no, I was gonna. Yeah, it should be twenty four dollars a sheet. To yeah, eat me, you know. That's crazy. And then the don't even get me on the uh, insulation. Good lord. Yeah. If you can get it, if you can get it, it's still double. Yeah. And the last time I looked, they were limiting the number of bundles you could buy oh really yeah it's interesting you know it's a not a saturated market anymore so yeah Uh, and the the big developers haven't stopped doing anything so they get the lion's share of everything Mm -hmm. yeah until either this winter or next summer when the real estate market collapses again then i'm going to be pointing and laughing yeah because there's one guy I swear I'm going to look out for whatever he built on the high COVID prices. And when he has to auction everything off because the real estate market collapsed, I swear I'm going to go bid like a nickel on the dollar. Mm-hmm. Get you some real estate. No, just because he's a dick. Mm. And <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. But no, I, I th- I'm actually thinking about picking up some uh, commercial real estate if the market collapses. Mm-hmm. Sit on it, pay the taxes, 
you know, keep the grass mode if it has it, and then just wait. Mm-hmm. And the other thing with commercial too is that, like, tenancy agreements for commercial is so much better for the landlord than residential. Um, like I, I don't know, my dad tried to get me into real uh, having rental properties. And all it was all residential. And he's like, oh, it's a good way to make money. It's good. It's like easy. And I'm like, ah. you know, like we had a, a half of a fourplex. And so there's two suites we rented out. Then we had a house in Rockyford that we rented out. It was always a headache, man. Always a headache. And, you know, for, and it's a long game. It is a long game, right? You know, maybe by the time the, the mortgage was done and stuff like that, we'd come out 300 bucks two to 300 bucks a month ahead, which is fine. Like it's better. And you got to say this carefully, but there'd be sometimes when like we'd have a tenant trash the place and like literally burn holes in the carpet. And it's like, wow. Okay, cool. Now I've got to spend $4,000 to put new carpets in this entire suite, you know, awesome. And then this, and then that, and then, oh, it's just, people say, oh, uh, real having rental income, unless you're going to hire a managing company. That's different, but they're like, oh, it's passive income. It is not passive income. Like interest in in stocks and, and stuff in the big, that's what you call passive income. And that's why it's usually not very good, right? Like you can't make money just by having money sitting somewhere. Uh, man, it, no, oh, I hated it. I hate it. So we have zero rental properties now because I just got out of them. I'm like, this is, this is too ridiculous. Yeah. We were talking about that with one of our friends that we were visiting because uh, they had rental property. And and they used a management company who wound up screwing them. Mm-hmm. In our cul-de-sac that we lived at in Maryland, the house next door to us was a rental property for about half the time we lived there, so years. And it got trashed by every single person that rented it. Mm-hmm. Again, they have a property management company. And the bad thing is property management companies are are insulated. Oh, you know, you just pay me to rent it and inspect. Everything else is on you. Yeah. Uh, so it, the property management company doesn't l- not let people trash it, you know? Yeah. They don't have a stake in that. Yeah. Unless you're smart enough to be able to write your own contract or get a lawyer to help make sure that you're protected, not only from the renters, but from the property management company's negligence as well. Mm-hmm. And I think if I was going to have private property like that instead of renting it i want to buy in uh tourist saturated areas and do airbnbs yeah that'd be that'd be a good thing i think because just you'll, airbnb you'll, it yeah and i know because you charge so much more that. too and they're making a killing yeah because you know you're now, charged by the night right and it's like yeah, oh. yeah. or you know they have weekly rates mm-hmm. and the Funny thing about one of the couples in their houses in a one of their houses in a big tourist destination in Florida, and it's a you know one of the larger available Airbnbs, and they have with it you know five bedrooms. Mm-hmm. It can sleep up to I don't know fifteen people, whatever. Mm-hmm. But it has uh, bicycles adult and children mm-hmm. uh you can tow the kids behind it if you want it comes with a, a actual car uh suv oh wow um a bunch of other amenities right 
It's mm-hmm. right down the street. Oh, a golf cart because that town you can ride golf carts around. Mm-hmm. And they let's say they charge two hundred fifty dollars a night, but we'll just say two hundred dollars a night. And if you want it for a week, instead of fourteen hundred, it's sixteen hundred. Oh wow! Yeah, they charge more if you do it for a week. That's funny. and they get away with it. Yeah, and they justify it with. Because um, they still have to play the uh, the cleaning people, mm-hmm. so. And and you think about it too from a vacation standpoint. You know they're probably very competitive to hotel rates. Oh yeah, they're cheaper. Yeah, and then for and somebody like Steph and I, family we, down there, and you want to, hey, we're gonna take a family vacation, and you get one part of the family coming from Illinois, one part coming from Canada, one part coming from France, and you can all stay in the same place. Yeah. And the one, like, if I'm going to go to Florida and I have to stay in hotels, I'll tell you the thing I will be the least excited about is having to eat at restaurants. So if you can have, like, when we went to Hawaii, we had a a suite. Like, it was in a hotel, but it was a full kitchen suite. And I was like, thank you. You know, as soon as we landed, we we went to Costco. We got a load of groceries and then went to our resort. Because I don't don't mind a good restaurant, but we cook better food than most restaurants could ever hope to. And man, that's something like an Airbnb is like, yes, thank you. I have a kitchen. You know, all I want to do is cook. Maybe we'll go out for one meal or order pizza in once, but man, two or three days at a restaurant and I'm done, you know, but like, and see the thing too, with like that type of rental property, I guess that's different if you're going to do an Airbnb, uh, but say if you're renting a house out, at least in Canada, the, the laws are set up to protect the tenant and kind of under, understandably so because that's your home, right? Like if you get kicked out, you could literally be homeless. Uh, but the commercial side of real estate laws are all set up to protect the landlord. So say if somebody doesn't pay rent, they haven't paid rent for two months, whatever, and I want to evict them, it's 90 days in Canada. And so I have to give them, so they basically get three more months and there's nothing I can do. I have no recourse to garnish wages or anything potentially. So basically if somebody was late, I said, listen, if you're one day late, if you don't call me right away and tell me when you're giving me the money, I'm giving you an eviction notice. I'm not waiting for two weeks because I still have to, I said, the eviction notice is 90 days. doesn't matter from when the last time you paid rent was. And I said, I'm not going to get in a situation where you've lived there for a month and a half, haven't paid rent. And now you get three more months, (laughs) you know, like. I said, just so you know, like, and the other thing you can do is you write your rental agreement. Like, um, you know, if you fail to pay, uh, and I always had, I made them assign a thing and it was only 20 bucks per day, but I thought it's not too much, but it's enough that if they're a week late, they're going to hate it. Right. Cause now all of a sudden they're paying $140 more for rent that month and fine, you know, it's, it's worth it to me. I'm 140 bucks. Cool. And then that also protected me if they, uh, you know what I mean? Like, well, I guess if I've had a few tenants that just didn't pay, you know, it's like you're late, you know, two weeks late. Okay. Yeah. I'll pay you the extras. That's no problem. And it's like, you're three weeks late. Yeah. That's no problem. I'll pay the extras. I said, you know, I, I got this feeling you're just not going to pay me. I said, I'm just going to give you this notice of eviction right now. What are you talking about? It was like, well, sorry, you haven't given me anything. I said, throw me 500 bucks, like, like pay half of the rent. I don't care. Just give me something to, to let me know that you're actually going to be paying me to stay here. Nope. They don't. Uh, nonstop. And maybe it's just yeah. I had bad experiences, but man, I will never, unless, so my dad has some, some residential properties, but he's got entire apartment buildings, right? <laughs> like he, he's got these towers and, oh yeah, I, I just bought them. Like I, he, he says, oh yeah, I got this one for like 
when when Phoenix was like tanked, he went and bought a lot of real estate. He's like, I got these for like twelve hundred bucks a door. I'm like, holy crap! <laughs> like literally, and you know, a year later, he's like, I could sell these for about twelve thousand a door now. You know, um, but he's got this firm, and it's like entire maintenance companies look after his properties for him, right? Yeah, that's different. But if you're going to be this, you know, it's uh, unless you get a good tenant. Like I had a really good tenant, and. She was in there before I bought the place and in the, I think we owned that place for like 10 years. In the 10, 12 years we owned it, I never increased her rent once because she was good. She'd call me, hey, Jeremy, is it all right if I pay to get the furnaces ducts cleaned? I'm just kind of nervous that they might not be good. I was like, yeah, go ahead. I was like, I'll reimburse you. Let me know what it is. No, 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 no. This is my responsibility. I'm like, no, I, I can reimburse you. And uh, she'd be like, I got a baseboard coming off the wall. And I come there, and yeah, one of the baseboards literally just a quarter inch away. So I, you know, bring a finishing nail. I put it back in. I said, was that it? She goes, yeah, thank you so much. I was worried about that. Like, man, she looked after that place better than I look after my own house, you know? And so that was one one positive I had with it. But, yeah, I mean, it's... Yeah, the problem is the local jurisdictions in the state either protect the tenant or the landlord when it mm-hmm. shouldn't be either way. There needs to be like an, an if then logical flowchart in the yeah. law. Yeah. That because there's, I think some people that just get in a bad way. I can't pay my rent, but I'm doing all the right things. I just can't get a break. Mm-hmm. You don't really want to put those people on the street. No, Let's for work sure. something out. Let's mm-hmm. give them more time. And but then you have people that are. Uh, driving around in a $100,000 car and just don't pay their rent. They yeah. trash the place. They do this. They do that. And those people should be out on the street. Yeah. You know, there needs to be if then. And if you're like, oh, I just can't pay my rent. Uh, okay. Yeah. Where's your money? Yeah. How much money do you make? Give me all sources. Here and just put a microscope on them and then let the court decide logically, mm-hmm. you know, what to do. You um, know, it's, because just having one party protected isn't fair because it's my property. Mm-hmm. You're renting it. Yeah. And that, oh, I'm a renter and it's my home. Or I'm a renter and I've lived here 25 years. Well, you don't have very much um, get up and go, now do you? Yeah. Yeah. I don't get people that just rent forever and ever. It's, it's weird. But- I hate it. Hated renting. I think it's because the first time I rented, it was from people who let you know you're renting, <laughs> that you're subhuman. Yeah. Um, We're yeah. your landlords. You're my tenant. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Peasant. In fact, um, the guy's wife called me a peasant, and I'm not joking. Oh, wow. Um, I'm like, you're just one rung of the ladder above me you yeah, know yeah you didn't even buy this place it was left to you yeah. somebody died and now you're <laughs> renting it you don't do anything it barely has running water and and anyway yeah so that experience made me hate 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 renting so as soon as we got married and we moved from uh montana to florida we're like oh we're gonna rent we're gonna buy and buy we're yeah. buying mm-hmm. we're gonna buy yeah. Don't care. We're buying. <laughs> so. Yeah. Did I ever tell you that story when we had the guy punching the holes in the wall? 
and I I went to my place with a baseball bat. So, okay, so we rented this one suite, uh, the upper suite, to these two young guys. And this was when the oil was booming in Alberta, and they were from Saskatchewan. And this was a three-bedroom place. I said, listen, I said, it's just two of you. If you get a third, that's fine. But I just need to know. And I said, the reason I need to know who lives here is because if this building burns down, they're going to come to me and say, okay, who could have been in there? Okay, well, from what I know, these people and these people, right? It's, it's legal implications. I legally have to know who has residence in that building. So I said, I don't mind if you get a third person. I said, but just let me know as soon as you do. And then, okay, no, it's just going to be us two. And they're good, like for the first couple months, hard work and young guys, you know, and then um, some other friends came out and... The, the lady downstairs, she was like, you know, I think I think there's another person living up there. I said, okay, well, let me call him and I'll just find out. And I said, hey, is there more people there? And he's like, nope, nope, nope. And uh, I said, it's just us. I said, okay, that's fine, it's fine. And then so this these guys let another guy move in with this other guy's girlfriend. And uh, this guy that moved in with him was nothing but trouble. And a few times she called and said, listen, it sounds like there's something going on. And I drive by and I see tons of vehicles and I call them and it's like a party. I say, hey, dude, like what's going on? I, I said, is it still just you two in there? Go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, well, why are there all these cars outside? Oh, I did just some friends stopped by for a bit. Anyways, long story short, um, I got a call about 11 o'clock at night and she's like, Jeremy, there's something going on upstairs. I'm like, what's going on? And so she goes, I'm going to call the police, but I wanted to let you know. And so I'm like, okay. She hangs up the phone. I'm like, I got to go see what's happening. So I threw a baseball back in the back of, my, back of my truck, just start peeling over, and it's dark. And I was driving like an idiot. And uh, I get there, slam on the brakes, throw it in park, grab my baseball bat, and then right as I'm walking across the street, cop car shows up. And incidentally, it was my next-door neighbor who's an RCMP, Right. <laughs> Jeremy, put the baseball bat in the truck. <laughs> I'm like, Mark, I said, you could just walk away, please. I said, can you go do a block, do a loop around the block? He goes, Jeremy, we're not filling out paperwork today. Put the baseball bat. We're going to go check out what's going And then you can come in after us. Anyway, so this guy and his girlfriend that weren't living there, but there was like a full bed and their dressers and their clothes and everything they owned was in there. He, they got in a fight and he started punching a hole in the wall. And so the cops, there's two police officers going up the stairs, and then I'm right behind them. And I start yelling at this guy. I'm like, you idiot. And I'm yelling at the tenants. I told the tenants, I said, you guys get out. We're dealing with this guy. And uh, so they got out, and the police kicked the girlfriend out too. And this guy was on something, right? Like the cops are like, what do you want, man? And his eyes were like dialed. You could just tell he is, I don't know what's going on in his head, but he was not there. And uh, I said, I said, who the heck are you? I started yelling at him. I said, get out of here. He's like, oh, we want to fight right now. I'm like, yeah. And so there's like two RCMP officers and I'm in between them. And I'm like, come on, guys, let me through. He's like, Jeremy, <laughs> he kept saying, we're going to kick you out if you don't settle down. <laughs> he says, we're not doing any paperwork tonight. None. Nothing's going to happen. I said, come on, man. I said, this is the one I can win. Look at the guy. I said, he just needs a little lesson. And he said, you guys can leave for a minute and then we can just walk away. You don't have to do paperwork. I'll, I'll, I won't, I won't kill him. I'll just put a good hurt on him. Nope, nope. So anyways, long it all happened. It was all this crazy stuff. And he tried to fight the cops and the cops, like, they didn't have to. I mean, they grabbed his arms. They didn't handcuff him even. But they ended up kicking him out, said, listen, you're not allowed to be here. If you set foot on this property again, we will charge you a trespassing. And uh, he said, you're not registered to rent here and you've been kicked out. Like, you are not allowed to come on this property ever again. And uh, anyways, so we went to the room where the stuff is. I was like, oh, I knew it. And they said, well, what do you want done with this? I said, I just want it out of here because you just want it out, like out, out. I'm like, yeah. And so he goes, okay. And this, 
this was a second story and it had a balcony. And so we opened it. It's a real small balcony, but we just opened the door of this thing. <laughs> the two cops grabbed the dresser and threw it out the window onto the lawn. We took everything they owned and we just literally threw it out onto the lawn. And we said, he told me, he said, you've got three days to come collect your belongings. You're not allowed inside the building. <laughs> but I was like, this is awesome. And I told him, I said, yeah, but I said, technically, I said, according to the way the, uh, it's a Canadian Residential Tenancy Act. And I said, according to that, even if this guy's living here illegally, I have to give him 90 days. He goes, yeah, maybe that's how it's written. But he goes, why would you do it that way? That's not right. You're, you're a landlord and he's. He said, sorry, we're not going to, he said, that's not how it really works. And I was like, oh, that's kind of good to know. But yeah, man, that was a, that was a crazy night. It was fun, man. But, uh, yeah. And then I saw my neighbor after that. He's like, he's like, what were you going to do with that baseball bat? I said, I don't know. I'm just mad. I, I hadn't thought things through yet. I was just <laughs> doing what I felt I could do in the moment. He goes, well, because I'm glad I got there what I did. I said, yeah, it's probably best. <laughs> Ay, ay, ay. Needless to say, I sure like not having rental properties now. But yeah. Yeah, I, uh, when I was in the military up in, up at Malmstrom, one of our idiots that was there, uh, got evicted from his place. Uh, him and his wife were constantly fighting, right? Constantly. It was like their hobby. Mm. And when they fought, I mean, they, no kidding, fought. It was like Joe Lewis. Mm. And uh, and she wasn't no pushover either, you know. So um, I was helping him move. And then you get, if you help somebody move, including packing, you get to see all their crap. Yeah. You really get to know somebody in ways you don't want to. Oh, I was just thinking, because like, I don't know uh, if I'd be comfortable doing that with anyone. Oh. Uh, <laughs> like, yeah, he lost a lot of friends over a short period of time helping him move. You know, you just find yeah, yeah. after the move, you just start distancing yourself. <laughs> it's like, that guy's kind of gross. I just feel gross whenever <laughs> I think about him. Yeah. yeah. I've helped a lot of people move, a lot. Huh. And there's only one I had to take a shower after. <laughs> That's nasty. Nasty, nasty. Uh, and the stuff his wife was saying, the whole move, right? Uh, like, it's his fault. It's his fault. There are two people who live here. Yeah, yeah. You have a job. You know, you do, and you make money. He has a job, and he makes money. And yep. there's two people on the lease. Mm-hmm. How is it just his fault? Yeah. And she kept saying, hey, you better show him a punch in the mouth. Come here. <laughs> <laughs> Come here. You want equality, I'll let you hit me first. Yeah. But guess what? You're going to get hit. And coincidentally enough, one of my friends, uh, about a year after all this, uh, we all went camping, and they came along. They weren't even invited, and they came along. <laughs> uh, and she got all drunk and mouthy, and my friend told her, shut up, I'm going to punch you like a man. And because you think you're all equal, you know, and you beat on your husband. Uh, I'm going to show you what hitting hit the mouth really feels like. And she's like, called him the P word and slapped him. Oh, wow. And he just, just a straight punch with his right hand right in her jaw. Pop. 
sat her down, you know, <laughs> glazed her over. Yeah. Just almost put her out. Hmm. And uh, <clears throat> she looked up at him in a way you shouldn't right after you get punched in the mouth. You I like you. <laughs> we're like, ooh, y'all need to leave now. Yeah. You know. Huh. If you get excited by somebody punching you in the mouth, you need to leave. Yeah. This is a family camp. Yeah. That's Go crazy. Away. Yeah. Hmm. Um, they got divorced, right? Because our whole, the whole flying part of Malcolm left, uh, and it stayed just a missile base after that. But during that move, they had, they got sent, he was getting stationed somewhere. She didn't want to go, so they divorced. But hmm. best thing that ever happened hmm. to them. Because yeah. he changed <clears throat> after that, 180 degrees. Right on. Hey, I got a question for you. We're just sure. totally sh shifting gears here. Uh, dust collection. You've set up dust collection, right? I have done it several times. Have you ever mounted a dust collector high up in the air, or like high up on a wall, or no? And, and I guess the number one, I, I'll preface it, the reason I'm thinking about it is just because I'm, where my dust collector is right now is a royal pain in the butt every time I want to bring my motorbike in and out of the garage. And my dust collector, typically, unless we're in heavy sign season, it's not heavy with the chips. It's like handle shaping. And so, uh, you know, the accessibility to it, like to change out the, the canister would be legitimately most of the year would probably be like once every two months. But have you ever tried something like that? Like, I understand for heavy, like if you're using a wood planer all the time, yeah, no, you need to be changing that thing out several times a day, right? You probably don't want it high up. And the, the place I have that I can put it is right above my window in my garage and it'll just fit between there and the roof with still having about six inches above the motor so that the fan can get air. As long as you're, you give a, uh, an easy, steady incline to the inlet and not just a, a 90 degree straight up and then a 90 degree into the oh, really? uh, machine. Um, it shouldn't be a problem, but you need that easy incline up there. Oh, really? Because I've seen guys yeah. just go along the roof and then just do a straight drop down. That's not as good? No. Huh. Because <laughs> you're working against gravity, and that's why... Most of the time when you see professional shops and they do that, they're, uh, uh, the vacuum system is so overpowered yeah. for what they're doing because yeah. it has to be to help whatever they're doing get up against gravity. Yeah. You yeah, and see, like, uh, the one thing I was wondering, um, well, I guess – See, there's two ways to do it. Like I was thinking about having it up there, and essentially all I need to do is is do a drop down to where my sandblast cabinet is, and really all I'm doing with that is extracting dust, right? Very fine dust, um, not actual part like particles or like chips, and then um, my grinding stations, which again is like very small pieces, right? Like just now, you know, with those two, with your knife making stuff. That should it be shouldn't fine. be a problem okay. because your CFM outweighs the need. Yeah. Right. But when you start planing wood, yeah. if you do, it would might be an issue. Yeah. So what I was thinking in, in that case, like when that happens, we, we 
flip turn our garage upside down. Basically, we, we don't park a car in there anymore. I leave certain things permanently set up and I don't do any knife making when there's signs going on. Like I just can't. And so what I was thinking is that if I had a way just to get it down, then for the busy season, which, you know, is going to be coming up here in a couple of weeks, um, you know, I could just pull it down, leave it down for three weeks, a month and a half, however long our busy season is, and then put it back. And obviously during that time, I'm not going to be working on my motorcycle anyways. I'm not going to be riding my motorcycle. It's just going to be head down, bum up, making signs. So I don't know. I'm thinking about it because it, it would be nice too, just not to have that there, not even just for bikes, but... Uh, the way it is against my, well, you, you may know, like against my garage door, I've got my sandblast cabinet, which I use very regularly. Uh, that's one tool I wish I didn't use because it's so big on the floor. I'm like, oh, I'd love to, that to be gone, but I couldn't live without it. And then beside that is my dust collector, and it works well right now because I can have the dust collector for, you know, my grinders, my belt grinder, disc grinder, and then I just whip the hose over, plug it into the back of the sandblast cabinet, and boom, I can sandblast without, you know, choking on a cloud of dust. But I don't know. I'm toying with that idea. I think it might be kind of nice to have that up there. And then also it's a little, the noise, it's a really quiet one. Like, boy, that made a bit difference getting a better uh, dust collector. But even for filming, if that was above me, instead of literally like right beside me when I'm grinding, I think it would help with the noise in the videos as well a little bit. Ultimately, if I could, I would put one outside, but I don't think we can do that here with you know in the winter time i just don't think it works with the with the temperature fluctuations that we get probably not because that would be nice it'd be so nice i've seen guys that'll build unless like, it's you know one of those industrial torrent yeah kind, but yeah i'm not spending money i'm not spending 30 40 grand on something like that i think if it was like here mm -hmm. um what i may do is eventually get mine or at least one outside without any kind of collection and just let it dump on the ground because mm -hmm. i'm out in the middle of nowhere mm -hmm. and it's just wood so yeah and then, i mean you, you do it's just that's your multiple right yeah oh yeah. you want to add, add stuff to the garden just take your take your little kabota there and plop her down you know yep yeah we did that <laughs> I, one time I went and I planed outside and I didn't have a dust collect on it. So it was, and this was before I got my DeWalt with the helical cutter head. Um, that one doesn't spit chips as good as like a three blade head, at least the one that we had. But I just set this thing up beside my truck and I just shot it out onto the lawn. And uh, this was a winter time and I was like, whatever, who cares? And then <laughs> a big wind came by. And then we were tracking wood chips into the house for weeks after that. And I regret that so <laughs> that was so stupid. If I get back into wood turning, I want to get an older, really big, heavy-duty uh, bowl lathe and put it outside. Under That'd be the, cool. Because I've got a big, huge Carolina carport where the firewood is and where I park the tractor. I put it out there. That way you don't have to worry about Because when you wood turn, you create more shavings. Oh, yeah. It's like a, against the law of physics. How did that pile come out of that little bowl? Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah, but, that's true. It's crazy how much how much mess, and it's everywhere. Like it's behind the lathe, in front of the lathe. It's on your head. It's yeah, like it's a, It's like you want a prize, and there's confetti coming down, but there was no prize. Yeah, that's crazy. Hmm. Yeah, no, I'm thinking about that. I'd like to look into maybe doing that, but we'll see. 
Well, there's no harm in doing it and then see. Yeah. You know, just from where it is now, just go up, temporarily hanging up there and see if it's going to affect its mm-hmm. uh, intended purpose. And if not, you know, then there's no harm. Yeah. Like I say, like even to empty it out. So mine's the kind with the canister underneath it. And so you've got those little quick release handles, pop that up. I could take that canister down. Just, I'd have to go up like a little step ladder. Like essentially that canister would be at about seven feet. So I just take a little step ladder, bring it down, empty it out, put it back in there. And so I think for like 10 months of the year, it would be totally fine. And then just pull it down when we're busy. Um, And then another thing, uh, if you run dust collection, I've heard people say you don't want to use like PVC pipes because of the static. Yeah, but if you ground them, it's yeah. Fine. Uh, if and what you would you don't ground, ground that it, to? It's a problem. What would you ground it's that really to? Real. Like an electrical ground? Uh, just earth. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Because, I mean, it. I, I've seen it be a problem. So. Yeah, I've heard that. Because I found, um, the like, you buy actual dust collection hose, and it's outrageously expensive. Nice thing is a lot of it's clear, so if you ever have a plug, I mean, obviously that's a bonus. Um, but uh, I went and I took an adapter and uh, to see if I could turn it down so it would go from the dust collection side to, like, the super cheap PVC size. And I was able to turn it on my lathe. It was a little tricky, but I'm like, ah, so this could work. I could make my own adapters and then just run this PVC stuff, drop her down, you know, kind of keep, keep everything nice and like get the big elbows if I can, or maybe do a big 45 and then, then a straight and then a big 45 rather than a tight 90. But uh, the problem is with that uh, clear dust collection pipe, especially the rigid stuff, it's the exact same plastic clear piping there's used in some agricultural uh, air systems and industrial air systems, uh, man, uh, mat- mattress manufacturers, uh, when they're blowing the, uh, when they're moving the big, like, uh, batten around mm-hmm. the factory, that's what they use. Okay. Same pipe, same, it's manufactured in the same place, and it's less than half the cost of what, oh, wow. you know, they sell us as dust collection pipe. Yeah. And uh, I know, right? <laughs> I had, when I was out in Maryland, I had sourced some uh, from an agricultural supply store that sells it for like uh, soybean uh, uh, combines with a big fan to help keep the soybeans on the cutter head. Okay. Uh, instead of falling on the ground, it blows it into the whatever system, whether they use an auger or the rubber matting. Anyway, uh, same exact clear pipe and it was less than half the cost oh yeah uh, i'm just not there anymore so i have to find somebody out here that sells it yeah yeah i always noticed that too like when i worked at gns and um you know i'd see how much we paid for fasteners like three eighths bolts and stuff and then i go to a local hardware store now and i'm like oh i just need like five bolts like what on earth? <laughs> seriously, when we paid like thirteen cents, and I'm gonna pay like a dollar forty for one? Oh, oh it's Lord, insane. I went to look for uh, uh, was it grade eight or grade five, uh, black colored bolts, and they were five bucks a piece. I'm like, no. Yeah, it's crazy. It's insane. 
And then so many of these little hardware stores now are carrying, like you can't even get a grade five, right? Like, oh, no, you can't. It's just cheap. Yeah, Chinese. Chinesium zinc plated bolts. You're like, no. Yeah. I know, like when I build something, the minimum I want is a grade five. And that's easy yeah. for what I build. It's perfect. Uh, you know, I grew up doing that. You're used to seeing those three markings one, two, three. Or if it's a grade eight, it's got six. You know, it's like, I want to see that. But yeah, no. Find these stupid. And, and even some of them, like the, even the zinc plating, it looks like that spray on galvanizing stuff. You ever use that yeah. galvanized spray paint? Just gloppy and gloopy. And the threads are like, you know, little chunks of whatever it is in the thread. So you have to chase them before you can even use them. It's pathetic. Oh, yeah. I bought a whole set of uh, black oxide hardware, mm-hmm. half inch. None of it works. None of the bolts go on any of the nuts. So I'm gonna have to. I got to find a. Uh, uh, I have to find my tap and dies and chase them all. Yeah, yeah. Before I can even use it, I'm like, that's, really? That's dumb. And hey. this wasn't cheap Chinese stuff. This was a, so allegedly American made, good quality hard. Uh, no, it huh. sucked. Wow. Uh, for chasing dies, snap on. This is a. I believe this is the best value in Snap-on history. They have a thread restoration kit, and it's external, so basically dies, and then the internal kind of like taps. They would never cut new threads in a blind hole, but they'll clean them up, and each one has a uh, corresponding socket head on it, right? So you can just use it with a socket set. $99 for a set that had... I don't know exactly what it went up and down to, but a really good usable range metric and imperial fine and coarse female and male thread restorate restores plus two files thread restoration files i'm like man that is like the best but i love that kit i, I bought it because it was cheap and i use it all the time and oh it's so handy i always love telling people about that like i'm you know i've, I've got mixed up feelings about snap-on but that is a kit that i, I still don't know why it's so cheap who knows if it is now? They probably found out that it was so low, and they're like, "Oh, wait a minute, that should be seven hundred dollar touch." But yeah, no, it's a slick, slick little kit. One thing I was hoping to do. Um, so you've seen my DR six fifty, right? Yeah, if you buy it today, it's one sixty four fifty American. Okay, so that's still not that bad. No, 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 no. And uh, like I have that, I've had that kit. I don't know, probably have had it for like 10 years now, and I use it very regularly, uh, especially say if you're working in a vehicle and it's like, oh man, you you know, you get a bolt stuck and you have to drill it out or something. Um, those things are so nice. They're enough that they can, even if a, a thread is kind of mangled, it will go through, clean it up. And I mean, I've never tried cutting new threads. I think it just doesn't have enough tapered start to it, but that is one of my favorite, one of my favorite thread related tools. I love that set. Yeah, it looks really cool. And it comes with uh, files as well. Yeah. And everybody's like, oh, use those files for jimping. I'm like, no, they don't work. No, we just no, use them for... No, they do not. No, they don't. They're designed totally different. They're not meant to cut. They're meant to chase existing threads, not cut. You know, it's a different tooth profile. So uh, people don't know. People think they do, but they don't. Um, Yeah, I saw a uh, knife on Instagram. It got uh gimping on the back and then it's a rock profile knife you know, okay, rock yeah. textured but the gimping looks like they used a angry beaver with broken teeth <laughs> yeah 
And somebody asked, you know, hey, what did you use to do that gimmick? And he was all proud, and he, and he explained how he did it. And they're like, yeah, that's why I'm not buying it. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> hilarious. Yeah. I've had so many people, like I did a video on the checkering file that I used for the jimping, and people are like, oh, thread files work just as good. Say, don't waste your money. Uh, and no, I they don't. Yeah, I responded to each one of those. I was like, "I." funny you mentioned that because I have some very good quality thread tracing files. They do not work. You can eventually scratch some marks in there, but to think that they're the exact same thing is a is a false statement. I own both. I have tried both. So unless you've tried a checkering file, I don't really think you're in a, in a place to make this comment because you're speaking out of ignorance. Oh, really? They, they work? Show me. Yeah, yeah. Show me any three knives you've done that to. I'll wait. And, and if you can't, shut up and get back in your mommy's basement with your pizza rolls and shut up. Yeah. <laughs> I've been going after a few comments. It's such a hard thing. I'm like, I shouldn't do it. This, you know, this you microwave chicken nugget blankety blank. Yeah. Like on this on my uh, video I did on, on Tuesday. Is it Tuesday? Yeah. So I just did like a tool time Tuesday of hand tools that I use in knife making. And I start the video saying, you know, this is the idea with this is for ultimately for beginner knife makers, you know, and, and these are things that aren't knife specific tools. They're not power tools. Uh, and it's not something like a file that you could use. Like this isn't anything like that, right? This is like peripheral tools to getting a job done. And this one person comments is like, such ba such a waste of time, too basic of knowledge, unfollow. And I'm like, dude, shut up. And so I pinned the comment and I said, uh, I said, well, thank you so much. I said, if you go ahead and unfollow me, I don't have to worry about hearing your crybaby comments ever again. You know, definitely win for me. And then other people were chiming in, but then people started fighting with each other in the comment section. And so I ended up deleting his comment, but, um, it was up for like three, two, two days, and then he finally came back. He's like, "You've covered all this stuff in other videos. I don't know why you have to do another video about it." And on and on and on. And so I responded, "I was like, dude, I don't make videos just for you. There's a broad range of people that want this stuff, and I try to make content that's going to appeal to all of them, not all at once. But this video is, I like I said in the beginning, if you're just getting into knife making, which I have to think about the reality. There's probably people that just find my channel today." that are just thinking about making knives, right? Like I always think of my audience as somebody who's been there from day one, and that's not, that's not the case. I know. If you, if you like go I, back and pin that guy's comment, let me know. I got something I, to say to him. Yeah, I deleted him. <laughs> I blocked. Like I just shot him up, so I, can't, I probably couldn't even find him if I tried. I've already made a video about this. Oh, my God, you've already made a comment like this. Yeah, yeah. Idiot. You have nothing new to say? You've only got one comeback? Come on. Yeah. No, and it's it's funny because, you know, like, so there's some people that I featured in Viewer's Knives, and there's, like, their first knife they made. And now they're full-time knife makers, right? And they'll be like, oh, I started making knives a month ago after watching you, Walter Searles, and whoever else, right, on, on YouTube. And then this is my second knife. And you look, it's like, yeah, it's not bad. It's I mean, And now they're like... Wow, oh, this guy's like literally feeding his family, making really nice knives. So I'm not like there's guys that I featured in my viewers' knives that I look at what they're doing now. I'm like, wow, they have gone so far past me and my, and what I do, you know. 
But uh, yeah, it's cool, man. It's crazy to see. But I always, when I approach videos, I'm always kind of like, oh, you know what? Yeah, like like I'm gonna make a video at where I'm at right now because my audience has seen where I've, you know, when I started, I didn't make the nicest knives, and now I'm they're a little better now. I hope. But then I'm like, no, you know what? There's some people that are literally watching my channel for the first time and they've never made a knife still. So it's like, yeah, if I do some basic content, that's okay, you know. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna be putting up a, a video tomorrow about making a leather sheath, and it was pretty much exactly two years ago I did a leather sheath, and it, it didn't do very well. But I always get people asking, can you do a video about a leather sheath? And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, so I'm gonna do it different this time. It's gonna be all to music. It's gonna be like one song and hopefully like maybe four minutes long, you know. But you can watch it and be like, okay, because so many people get hung up on oh, I can't do a leather sheath, and I do the most the most simple leather sheaths you could ever do. You know, like I'm not interested in, maybe I'm not interested, I don't have the patience in like, you know, multiple rows of stitching and, and you know, different stamp work and stuff. Some of that can look really great. Some of it's gaudy. You know, it looks like 1970 came back and uh, threw up a knife sheath, but um, I don't know. It's just, okay, what's this got to do? It, for me, a sheath is 100% function. I want to safely protect my blade, you know, protect myself from the blade Oh, when I'm not thinking about it, handling it. And I want to be able to have it on my, you know, that's, I want to carry it with me. That's what a sheath does. And so that's how, that's how I make them. It's literally just a, a leather sack that the knife won't be able to cut through. It'll keep you safe and you can carry your knife with you. But. Well, I noticed you've been working on uh, a couple of knives that are my favorite style of knife ever. Oh, the old slivers. The old sliver and uh, yeah, old pig stickers. If a knife, <laughs> if if there has ever been a knife that is just absolutely sexy looking and deadly AF, um, it's the sliver. It's a perfect design, and because it's, uh, it's pokey, it's slicey. You can wear yeah. it with jeans or a tuxedo. Yeah, yeah. Because, um, but anyway. If anything, if any of those are going to come available, let me know first. Okay. They're both available. They're both, no, they're yeah. not. Not anymore. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I got that one. Then the knife that I built in last week's video, that I just have to do. That's the sheath I'm going to do today. And then it kind of fits too. Like last week, the project was a knife. And then this week, we're building a sheath for that knife. So. It's, it's not going to do well, but then it's like, kind of you know what? I'm sure there's somebody that watches my channel that, you know, has made some knives now. And they're like, okay, well, now i got to do the sheaths. That's how I was. Like, I did Kydex because it was easier than leather. And I did Kydex because it's hard to sell knives that don't have sheaths. People just prefer a knife with a sheath. <laughs> you know, even if it's, you know, some guys do amazing sheaths. And it's like, wow, that sheath is almost it's as much of a piece of art as the knife itself. That's that's great. You know, that's not my approach at all. Um pure utilitarian. And then it's like when you see how easy it is to actually do leather and leather doesn't require any power tools uh, or hardly any specialized tools. Like I would say you could outfit yourself very well to do leather the way I do for less than a hundred bucks uh, easily. I should actually price out the tools that I actually use. And there's also a few parts about leather working. Like when you, uh, when you cut the groove for your stitching, I got this little stitch cutting tool and this like the leather kind of curls up as you cut. It is so fascinating, like uh, satisfying. Certain leather processes are very satisfying. Like when you're skiving and you're like beveling edges and, you know, these 
it's not a chip, it's a piece of leather, but it just starts curling and curling. Oh man, it's fun. I enjoy it. It's very relaxing to do leather work. But then that knife will be available. We've got two last ditch neckers I'm going to be putting up and then four forged Kier dashies. So I've gone from having, I don't know if it's been well over a year since I've had a knife available for sale. Oh, except for that kitchen knife that I forged. But I think it'll be like nine knives going up. So well, that's good. you know, whatever you do, don't put the slivers up. Let me know. Okay. <laughs> Those are 440C stainless. Mm -hmm. That's what they are, yep. I left the one with the red handle, I left a fairly coarse grind. And the reason I did that is because very often when I'm done with the coarser belts, like I think I left that at 120. There's still a little tiny cleanup and finesse that I need to do to the, you know, the lines, the grind line at the top and stuff. I pulled that one off and it was one of the best grinds I'd ever done. It was so concentric and even and smooth. I thought I'm not, I'm not refining the grit. Yep. So you're done now. Yeah. I was like, no, I'm leaving it right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> if I and I prefer like a nice trizac finish, so you still have the grain lines in there, but it's a little bit more like smooth, kind of. You know what I mean? Like, but I was like, no, I'm leaving this. This is and it it, it captures light nicer uh, with the coarse. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's interesting. But and then the other one is the one that had that weird, weird take on the uh, the etch. I etched it, and the, the bevel went black, and the flat went black, but the transition between the bevel and the flat didn't take any etching at all. That's weird, isn't it? I, I have no clue why. And people have tried to give me reasons. Oh, because on the bevel, you ground the decar blare off. It's like, uh, yes, I did, but on the flats, I didn't, and that took etch just fine. Like, it's totally weird. Yeah, who knows? Yeah. And people are like, maybe it was like a, a, a run in the steel. I had a lot of comments about this. Like, maybe there's a line of different material in the steel. I was like, well, then that would continue through to the handle and past the plunge line. But it, it's literally just the transition between where I ground and where it was flat. Very strange, but it looks cool. And it's even on both sides, so it kind of worked out nice. And I, I was thinking, well, I guess I'll just sand this etching off, you know, because I had a hand-sanded finish on that one. But I thought, no, I'm going to leave this. I think it's kind of interesting. But, well, we are at an hour and 42 minutes, Todd. Mm -hmm. Do you think, do you think there's anybody still listening to this? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> Only that one guy. Yeah. No, I saw, I don't know where it was because I was trying to find, I used to see there was an actual link that you could, link to our transistor page like not the user admin like our interface page but and then from there so i could just put a link and it's like can m soup you can either see all of our podcasts on transistor and then there was one page and i can't find it and it had every link to every different uh podcasting out that we're on right so if you like spotify you click that and it'll open up your spotify nice. and i thought if i could find that i can't but i was i was looking for all these different places it might be and then i on this one podcast streaming service i forget which one it was but somebody left a review and like this is this has become my new favorite show if ever a there's a friday goes by that one of these doesn't pop up it's going to be a bad friday <laughs> i'm like that's cool you know so that's good but uh yeah anything else i want to cover this week <laughs> any other no, not really. random babblings 
<laughs> yeah, no, no. Yeah. Well, it's good to be back doing it on a Friday again. It back, is. Back um, to normal. I kind of missed it. Um, but, you know, the, viewer, the, the viewers, the listeners never knew the difference. Nope, nope. Even though we said we did it on a Wednesday, they didn't get it till Friday. Yes. And I didn't, I waited till Friday morning to edit it too. I was like, that's what I do on Friday morning is I edit. So I did that. Yeah. Well, thanks, Todd. This has been great. And thanks to everybody listening. Hope you enjoyed it. And uh, if you have anything, I've put this out to the one guy listening. If you have any topics that they would like two experts in life to discuss, it'd be, it'd be kind of cool to have like theme topics sometimes maybe, you know, like. You know, I don't know. Yeah, we'll like see. the one guy said, I'm not a doctor, but I play one on TV. That's right. Uh, I, I'm, I'm an expert on the radio. Yep, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. All righty. Well, thanks a lot, folks, and uh, we'll catch you on the next episode. Yeah, next week we'll be talking about tin roofing and animal husbandry. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening. <laughs>